Hello and welcome to the holiday special of the Network 5 Emergency Medicine Podcast. The podcast that brings you the latest research in emergency medicine. I'm Kit and once again our Christmas podcast aims to bring you something a little bit different. A look through a different lens. And we have three very special papers today from your core crew. First up, we have Harry presenting Q Fever, the superstition of avoiding the word quiet as a coping mechanism, a randomized control non-inferiority trial from the BMJ Christmas article. Merry Christmas, everyone. Look, I'll be discussing Q Fever today as a topic. It was actually carried out in a microbiology department in the Royal Preston Hospital in Lancashire, but it's not the coxiella burnetti infection that you're all thinking about. The paper's titled Q-Fever, The Superstition of Avoiding the Word Quiet as a Coping Mechanism, Randomized Controlled Non-Inferiority Trial. So before I proceed, if you are listening while you're at work and you wish to avoid hearing the Q-word, you may just skip to the next section of the podcast. Now, the word quiet has been long been a taboo word. So it's been thought that any brave soul who dares to utter this word would you know, immediately be met with the explosive workload and needing to deal with you know, the sickest patients. And you know, anecdotally, I have seen colleagues say this word and the rest of the days usually never end well. The evidence for this, however, is, you know, all very much anecdotal. Therefore, a group of medical microbiologists devised this study to evaluate whether utterance of the word quiet actually increases clinical workload within a microbiology department. So in terms of the methods, they quantified the workload by measuring the number of clinically relevant phone calls, clinically significant results, and validated results processed daily by the duty medical microbiology team. It was a non-inferiority trial with a null hypothesis that the utterance of the word quiet increases clinical workload by no more than average of 30 clinical episodes daily. And this number was just pre-specified based on the author's experience of what would be considered a clinically significant increase in workload. So every day they would have two members of the medical microbiology team. If it was after 5 p.m., it would be one on-call team member, as well as weekends and bank holidays. This was just assigned to individuals according to availability and not standardized. So the interventions were either one of them saying, today will be a quiet day, or refraining from saying the word quiet in any sort of context. Between 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., one of the members carried out the intervention and it had to be witnessed by the other member or the other member was informed over telephone if working in different location. Importantly, the tone, the enthusiasm and the audibility with which the intervention was uttered at was at the discretion of the duty member. So this was over a period of 61 days, which were randomly allocated to the interventional control. And the duty team was not blinded to the intervention, obviously. Primary outcome was the composite number of clinically related telephone calls, clinically significant results, or validated results processed by the team daily between 9 a.m. to 8.59 a.m. the next day. They determined that to obtain a margin of non-inferiority of 30 clinical episodes, a total sample size of 60 days would be required to show non-inferiority with 80% power. Secondary outcomes, this was quote-unquote the article was the mystery of what medical microbiologists do was a secondary outcome. So there were individual components of the composite primary outcome, essentially, with the telephone calls being further divided into two periods between 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and 5 p.m. to 9 a.m. on weekdays. 
In the postdoc analyses, they also evaluated whether workload increased on days with a full moon, solstices, or equinoxes, or a Friday on 13th day of the month, you know, all very suspicious, weird days that could potentially confound the effects of the intervention. So the results, over 61 days, including two full moons, one day of summer solstice, and no Friday 13th. Mean number of clinical episodes was 139 on control days and 144.9 on intervention days. There was a difference of 5.9 with a 95% confidence interval between minus 12.9 and 24.7. Given that the upper bound of the 95% confidence interval was less than the pre-specified margin of 30, the data supported non-inferiority of the intervention. In terms of the secondary outcomes, the greatest contribution to workload was validation of results. There was no evidence of a difference in workload between intervention and control groups for any component. In conclusion, I think this was a very, very important paper, quite groundbreaking in addressing one of the more pertinent issues in healthcare. There was limited evidence around this topic. The only one was some study in ED in Japan, as well as to do with onco-orthopedic doctors. So it's good to see data supporting you know, our brave clinicians who are willing to say the word quiet with a you know, good sentiment in wishing themselves or a colleague a quiet shift. Often we don't see too many papers that immediately change practice, but with this data, I'm more willing to incorporate this into my daily practice. Harry, do you really think you're brave enough to incorporate this into your daily practice? <laughs> I'm not. I think that if I went into the emergency department and said the word I can't, I can't even do it. I can't even do it. And said the word quiet, I think I'd definitely not be the most popular person on shift. And I think it might be to my detriment. <laughs> Great paper, really groundbreaking, agreed. Not sure I'm going to use it yet. I might just wait and see whether other people kind of pick that up first. My worry is, can we really extrapolate this into the emergency medicine setting? That is one of the major limitations of this study. Obviously, the work done in a microbiology lab is quite different to the emergency department. There's a few limitations of this study, actually. And I think one of the major ones is that the tone, enthusiasm, and audibility being at the discretion of the duty member, it's not very well controlled. I think it could have a huge impact. You know, for example, like saying, oh, you know, this is going to be a quiet day. It's different to, you know, just muttering yourself, oh, you know, I hope it's a quiet day. I think that has a huge impact. So there are some flaws in the study design they also mentioned that they could not control for other confounding factors, such as seasonal variants, presence of black cats, cracked mirrors, or lone magpies. What we're really saying here then is that, you know, maybe only when you're walking under a ladder to chase a loose black cat in ED while saying the word quiet, would you potentially have any, have any issues? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a very specific uh, set of conditions in which we can say the word quiet. Harry, um. You mentioned two other studies, one in Japanese emergency department, another some orthopedic. Do you know what the results? Yeah, I were? think with the orthopedic, it's, it was purely for the orthopedic on calls. And when someone said the word quiet, they were called in more often. That goes against this particular study. I believe the one in the Japanese emergency department, the word quiet did not have any effect. I agree with Kit. My main concern was that the microbiology unit and the emergency department are two, two very different um, settings. And I, I don't know how superstitious microbiologists are. 
I must admit that this study was slightly practice changing for me without having known the details of it. I just knew vaguely of what the results were and used it to relentlessly troll my nursing colleagues. It didn't always end well for me, I must admit. My other concern with the way this paper was conducted was actually the way the intervention was done as well. I think that, you know, it might have been a bit artificial and also probably the way that um, intervention was carried out was probably slightly different to how it happens in real life. I feel that just sort of routinely saying it's going to be quiet first thing in the morning is not really the superstitious concern that tends to happen. Usually the concern around the Q word tends to be probably around the mid-afternoon and usually when there's been a period of 30 to 60 minutes where it has in fact been quiet. And so I'd be interested in a follow-up study to assess the impact of using that word after a 30 to 60 minute interval at which there's been reduced clinical workload to see if the workload then immediately spikes. Maybe another unit could take that up in the future. I don't know whether I feel the word quiet ever has a place in the emergency department, regardless of study results. (laughs) (laughs) I think the mindset and the behaviour that the word quiet leads to never ends well. (laughs) That's all I'll say. I mean, I actually think you've got a point there. You know, there's, you know, a lot of stuff that we do because we have done it for a long time and it's part of the culture of medicine. And I mean, uh, you know, even beyond that, you know, the, the evidence, for instance, for parachutes while skydiving is actually quite, quite poor. Is this one of those instances where actually, you know, this is one paper with a fairly poor sample size that might not be able to be extrapolated to the ED circumstance? Is this an instance where we're going to change our practice and then realise that we were wrong and regret it later? Definitely. Wait, the evidence for parachutes is poor? Is that true? Well, there's no randomised controlled trial. The danger of research. (laughs) (laughs) I have found in my personal experience, at least, that intentionally saying the word quiet does not lead to an increased clinical workload, both in terms of, as I mentioned earlier, annoying my nursing colleagues, but also um, there's been times where I've gotten beyond the middle of a shift and been insanely bored for the previous couple of hours at which I've said, quiet, 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 and nothing has happened. So it doesn't work to benefit, and it only seems to cause harm when unintentionally said. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Harry, for a fascinating paper. And we'll certainly watch that space for up-and-coming research. Actually, it might be worth considering a trial ourselves in Westmead. And that concludes the first of the three segments of the Christmas special. Thank you so much for joining us. We would like to wish all our listeners a very Merry Christmas.